Each year, the Girl Scout Research Institute releases its annual State of the Girls report. And this year, Indiana ranked 36th out of the 50 states on an overall index of well-being. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we're joined by the CEO of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. We'll take a look at the study and see how Indiana's girls compare with those across the country. We also have in the studio the executive director of the Indiana Commission for Women and the director of operations and development for Girls Incorporated of Monroe County to discuss what other organizations are taking from the report. And we invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Each year, the Girl Scout Research Institute releases the State of Girls Report. It examines girls' health and well-being in the United States. And this year, Indiana ranked 36th out of the 50th states. The report is based on national statistics focused on key issues such as health, safety, educational achievement, and demographic trends. And that's the topic that we're going to take up today on Noon Edition with three guests who are with us in the studio. Uh, Deborah Hearn-Smith is the CEO of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Daisy Chu is the Director of Operations and Development for Girls Incorporated of Monroe County. And Kristen Garvey will be here any moment. She's the executive director of the Indiana Commission for Women. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So thank you for being here. We, we uh Deborah Hearn-Smith drove down from Indianapolis. We really appreciate your coming down. Daisy's back. She was here last year. So. Yeah. So uh, this report, this annual report, um, Indiana, you know, 36, so could be worse, but could be a lot better. Um, so, Deborah, what are some of the key areas in the report that stuck out to you? I think our key areas that just resonated with us uh, were education, of course, where we ranked 31, and I think we all know that uh, our state uh, is really our ed- state of education in Indiana is is really uh, a fluid and uh, issue right now with our children, um, but also the physical health and safety of our girls uh, ranked 44. We really have a high percentage of our girls who are witnessing violence in their neighborhoods, uh, and that uh, demographic really. Uh, changes over has changed over time to not be reflective of urban areas, but of our whole state. Uh, the increase uh, of domestic violence, uh, drug use outside of the urban areas, uh, are the are the real causes 
the girls are finding in their neighborhood, not always in their home, but in their neighborhood, they're actually witnessing violence. Uh, I think we all know that uh, economics is still uh, trending, that more and more of our children are living in poverty. Uh, I am just really, when I look at this, and, and I see that our Hispanic and African-American girls are living in households of poverty at 42 and 38 percent. That is um, just without—that's uh, just unparalleled. Mm -hmm. when you, and when you look at all the indicators that then poverty tells us about hunger, about uh, uh, education, about achievement, about a lot of other things, those are the kinds of things that point out to me uh, to be areas that we need to be very concerned about. Um, that so there are other areas, emotional, uh, think, emotional health, but but I think education, safety, uh, and poverty. Uh, in my mind, rank really high. Well, and safety is just, that's the bottom of the pyramid. I mean, if you if you aren't safe in your environment, you can't build on that. You really can't. And, and you think about, um, when we look at this, uh, the number of girls who experience violence in their neighborhoods, how do you go to school the next morning when you were witness to police uh, in your neighborhood, I, I right. can't even imagine. Right, my uh, point exactly. That's a great illustration. You know, I yeah. just, you, you know, I, I, and I'm sure, you know, I grew up in Indiana when I, I don't think I saw a policeman on my block ever. Um, and if he did, he was riding through and was lost. <laughs> there wasn't anything to see. Uh, but that's a different reality our girls are growing up with. And we know Indiana has a huge problem with childhood obesity. And there's some really good programs going on, but the obesity is coming not from, um, it's coming primarily from a lack of good quality food. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, I was with someone yesterday and he talked about, we used to say we have food deserts. We don't have deserts. Food is available mm -hmm. in the poorest of neighborhoods, but it's not quality food. It's processed food. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and when you're living in poverty, your concern is to fill the children, not necessarily give them a plate of broccoli. Um, right, but don't you think that those two issues also are related? If you're not safe in your neighborhoods, you can't go outside and play? Absolutely. Absolutely. And work and, off whatever calories you're consuming. Well, you know, even in safe neighborhoods, we would consider safe suburban neighborhoods anymore. Children do not go outdoors and play after school. Uh, most of us, uh, when we look across the spectrum, and we cover uh, most of the state of Indiana, when we look across the spectrum, most parents tell us when children come home from school, they're not to go back outdoors unless there's a parent home. And most parents are working. Mm -hmm. uh, one of one of the big uh, misconceptions is that the children living in poverty, as well as suburban children, that someone's home. Nobody's home. We have families where both parents are working, and still the girls are living in poverty. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a big issue. You don't go outdoors and play, and you don't walk to school. Mm -hmm. you, you take a bus to school, it lets you out within a half a block of your home, if not just in front of it. You walk in the house. And that's it for the day. And in school, uh, we're, we have been so focused on the education of our children, the academic success. Many of our schools, particularly as you get into middle school and high school, there is no physical activity in school. Uh, and most of us remember that phys ed was a requirement. So our children 
are lacking physical activity and they're eating more and more processed sugar foods. That's a lethal combination. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the state of girls in Indiana. This is based on the the State of Girls report that was just issued by the the Girl Scouts. Um, If you have a question or a comment, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join, excuse me, join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Um, I want to ask Daisy about after-school activities uh, and the girls that she deals with. But first, I want to go back to some of the statistics. You you, you said you mentioned some really um, very dramatic statistics when you were talking, and want, I just didn't want our audience to lose sight of that. Uh, physical health and safety. Indiana ranked 44th uh, in the country. Uh, for the well-being, uh, girls' well-being, 44th out of 50 states. And also, I want to point out, emotional health is 44th as well. And I would think those two kind of tie together. And then to get back to the poverty number, so uh, girls aged 5 to 17 in poverty uh, in Indiana, 20%. That's one out of five girls from age 5 to 17. And as you mentioned, when you get into the African-American community and the Hispanic Latina community, that goes up to 42% or 38%. So that's a, that's a lot. So, Daisy, uh, you work with Girls. Uh, girls Inc. has a lot of programs that yes, you we do. work with. So talk about uh, you know this report from your perspective and what you're seeing. Does it sort of bear out what you're seeing with the girls you work with? Absolutely. And um, if anything, this report really validates even more the existence for programs such as Girls Inc., Boys and Girls Club, after school and out of school time Mm -hmm. facilities where we're going to not only provide a safe environment for kids after school, which, as we were discussing, is really needed for for kids across all backgrounds, and also opportunities to extend the educational opportunities to, you know, have hands-on experiential learning to, you know, get your hands dirty and do some extracurricular activities that are so important to engage those minds so that the kids aren't going home plopping down in front of the TV or playing Xbox or being, you know, on the Internet just mm-hmm. kind of fooling around for, for hours at a time. Um, keeping yeah. you know engaged mentally and physically remind us what mm-hmm. what are the ages of the girls that you, you work yeah with? we we serve school-age girls kindergarten mm-hmm. through high school mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and sports are a big part of your programming yes right? yeah we we have three facets to our program we have our after-school program when school's in session we have full day camps whenever school is out of session and then we have sports leagues that are a little bit later in the evenings basketball and volleyball leagues for girls, um, recreational leagues, a way to, you know, girls only, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. a way for girls to try a new sport, no experience required, no tryouts. Uh, it's a great Just go play. Yeah, just go yeah. go play. Have a good time. Learn something new. Learn some teamwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some Excellent. good skills. All right. We've uh, been joined by Kristen <laughs> Garvey. Thank you, Kristen, Hello. for being here. She is the executive director of the Indiana Commission for Women. So, uh, you know, we've started out this conversation about the state of girls in Indiana and the report that the that uh, has just recently been released. And uh, the so, you know, if you could talk about, you know, from the the, the commission on women, the, that standpoint, you know, young girls, 5 to 17, are having these issues now. I mean, how does that translate into the health of women throughout the state? Um, I think it does translate uh 
throughout a woman's lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a series of listening sessions around the state of Indiana, and um, health health issues were the top issue that came up. Um, and that ranged from um, well-being issues to access to a quality, affordable health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that uh, if that's the most important issue, and, and to see that the, the numbers on, on this report from the Girl Scouts where physical health and safety and, and emotional health is, is at the 44th level, um, that, that we need to be working younger in, in the uh, Girls Inc. and Girl Scouts and, and all the, the organizations that, that help girls then so that they can be well-adjusted and healthy and emotionally healthy adults. Mm-hmm. Deborah, these numbers are kind of shocking and sad. Uh, are, we, are you seeing trends going one way or the other? If you look at these numbers compared to years past, are we making progress or is it the opposite? Um, I think we probably are about about the same. Um, I think that we need to, to be um, uh, upping our what we're doing um, mm-hmm. so that we can uh, be more uh, more responsible to to our girls, and and I think that in anything that that we look at, um, we need to be addressing these issues younger and younger mm-hmm. um, before before they get out of control. And are these numbers uh, for for girls? Are they reflective or comparable to um, the numbers for grown women? For example, one out of five women living in poverty is that. On par? I think so, yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks. All right, again, our phone number is 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348, outside at night. That was 877-285-9348. And you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, there are some other uh, rankings on here that show that uh, Hoosier girls um, are, are not quite as uh, well off as as their counterparts throughout the nation. Um, the 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 numbers for obesity 30 percent in indiana 10 girls 10 to 17 years old um 30 percent are overweight compared to 28 percent nationally um need treatment for emotional or behavioral development issues 12 percent in indiana compared to nine percent nationally and this is one that should be pretty uh dramatic and shocking for everybody experience neighborhood violence so 14 percent that's one out of seven in indiana compared to 11 percent nationwide so uh you know how can uh, what are, are other states doing things that you're aware of that indiana should be doing to to help um improve the status of girls well when you look at one of the other things that, that on here is we show um, the ranking of some other states. Uh, and then the top five states for girls, you'll see some smaller states, uh, New Hampshire, the Dakotas, Vermont. But you find Massachusetts listed as a state that's very, um, the girls are, are doing well in. It seems that the some of the things that we need to begin to advocate for girls, uh, one is quality health care for children. When you look at the obesity, it's telling us that we are not getting our girls um, exercising healthy choices and snacks, uh, and we're not having them monitored well on a medical 
from a medical mm -hmm. uh, standpoint. Uh, we know in Indiana that this obesity is leading to a higher percentage of our children with diabetes. Children are getting high blood pressure at, at you know, very young ages. Those are health care issues. Uh, and they, they mirror poverty. Mm -hmm. they, they truly mirror poverty. The 14% the experiencing violence in their neighborhoods, again, uh, that is mirroring people and adults who are at the end of their rope and are resorting to not healthy ways to resolve conflict. Now, drugs are a big part of that in domestic violence, but we find those escalate as families go through uh, stress. And one of the things that's happened over the course of the last several years, as we've faced the economic crisis, disproportionately, children have suffered economically. When a family goes into economic crisis, means there's, there's scarcity of financial resources. We don't know if we're going to make rent. We don't know how we're going to pay utilities, but we're both out there working and trying. The stress level in the home goes up, and we find the factors you're talking about disproportionately affect children. And I think as a society, and particularly in our state, we sometimes forget that this policy we're doing for adults has a greater impact on the children who have no say-so and have no way of expressing it. Uh, we don't really, um, you know, we can march for various things as adults, but it affects our children. Uh, so I think we've seen over the last, I'd say, 10 years, some of these things become worse as economic realities have faced our state. And we've had some places in the state of Indiana disproportionately affected by the economic downturn. Mm -hmm. I, I think Mary Catherine and I get to see, uh, we get to sort of connect the dots sometimes. We mm -hmm. did a show mm -hmm. just not two or three weeks ago that we played the day after Thanksgiving and Vicki Pierce from the Community Kitchen was on here. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how their services they're providing, they're seeing more and more children that are yes. coming into their uh -huh. facility. And that just just goes to what you're saying. There are homeless children we don't really see because uh, homeless doesn't mean they didn't have a place to sleep. It may mean they were in a shelter this week, mm -hmm. and next week they're at grandma's, and next mm -hmm. week they're at cousins. But they are not, they don't have a bedroom. They don't have a place to call home. That, that lacks a security for right. a child. So then that Getting child, that foundation of that pyramid again, that's it's, shaking. It's very, you know, that whole... The whole pyramid of needs, safety and food, and those things are what we're talking about for children. And sometimes we get, um, in our discussions at an adult level, we begin to talk about enhancements <laughs> when children are fundamentally not secure in the basic needs of life. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the Girl Scouts' role in this. I think it's interesting that the, <clears throat> pardon me, the Girl Scouts have actually funded this study. So, you know, I grew up as a Girl Scout, of course, and um, I was not aware of the Girl Scouts having their hand in anything this sophisticated. Is this a new role that gr the Girl Scouts have taken on, or can you, I, can you talk about that a little bit? It's an enhanced role. Uh -huh. These are the things we've known, and because we work directly with girls, sure. and across the spectrum, socioeconomic, racial, cultural, religious, we see it. But what we're now, as a society, holding all of us to a higher standard of proving it. Mm -hmm. And so we directly 
plan our programs based on the needs of girls. So it's important that we take the temperature Uh, and we know what is it that our girls need because we now see in the state of Indiana, academic achievement for girls is down. Obesity is an issue. You will find we have a lot of, we've always had a lot of physical programs for Uh girls, but we have more. Uh-huh. And even when we do a math and science program where we're enhancing the academics, we will include in that physical activity. Uh-huh. When you get the answer and the answer is four, jump up four times, not uh-huh. write it down. Uh, when you uh, are, are doing a scientific experiment and you're looking at motion, then we will do those motions. Things that we now know, yes, girls get it, but we need to move uh, I heard an interesting thing that if we were to move, this was good for us adults here, if we would get up, just stand up once an hour, they have proven our mental ability goes up. Mm-hmm. So some of us, like me, need to stay standing. It sounds like the days of stitching sit-upons are over, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to stand up. On, we need to stand. But we plan our programs like that. We tell our leaders, girls need to come in to, the, to a troop meeting have a healthy snack and 10 minutes of movement. Mm-hmm. Just movement. And we really, we really encourage movement that's fun and life-sustaining, uh, long-lived. So pick up a sport. Pick up a hobby. If you like to dance, dance. Mm-hmm. If you like to do it. Because if you find a physical activity and if we can encourage girls to find it, you do it your whole life. Mm-hmm. It's not something... Um, you know, really going to exercise class 30 minutes gets real boring real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a dancer and you go dancing on Saturday night, you you know, you're, you're working off calories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I want to ask Daisy. Uh, Daisy Chu is the director of operations and development for Girls Incorporated of, of Monroe County. So, Daisy, uh, you know, you've heard a lot of conversation here about all these different statistics and things. So, you know, again, have you seen changes in the girls that you're working with or has it been sort of constant that – these are issues that you just have to face and you have to try to work on, you know. Yeah, so um, I've actually only been with Girls Inc. coming up on about three years. No? Well, uh, so so what I've, I've seen hasn't changed a whole lot in those three years. Well, what has changed is uh, the, the girls' involvement with technology mm-hmm. over the past three years. I mean, we've got eight-year-olds with iPhones, <laughs> and they're, you know, they're, they're on their iPads from school, and they're playing some educational computer games. <laughs> um, so that's that's the main change that I've seen. But these issues that we've been talking about, uh, obesity and lack of physical activity, um, un- unhealthy snacks, you know, these are issues that girls have faced for a while. And we certainly try to combat that with our programs. We do uh, some healthy cooking activities with the girls investigating different fruits and vegetables. And I think they made meatballs from scratch the other day, so that was kind of fun. Um, You know, we try to incorporate lots of different non-traditional physical activities in our programs with the girls so that they can possibly, you know, like like we were talking about, find something that they like to do and Mm -hmm. stick with it or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, branch out. We've done yoga. We've done CrossFit. We've, um, you know, gone swimming. And so we definitely try to be very intentional in when we are programming for our girls to try to hit a lot of these areas that you know we see are, are impacting the girls today. Mm-hmm. And how many girls do you see, like on a daily basis? Uh, on a daily basis, in our after-school program, we're running about forty 
mm-hmm. or so. In the past 12 months, we've served 506 girls. 506 girls. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> now, do you pick up from the schools, or how do the girls get to your yes, facility? Yes, we do. Uh, we partner with Boys and Girls Club to provide transportation from most Monroe County the schools. The blue bus? Yeah, the blue bus. <laughs> we we all know the blue bus if we bus. live in Bloomington. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep, we pick up from school, um, we bring the kids to our center, we give them a healthy snack, we have a little bit of free time, we have um, opportunities to do homework and and work with college students on tutoring, and then we have our our age group programs, which range from science to uh, the cooking Mm -hmm. thing that I was Mm -hmm. talking about, to physical activity. Um, Do you get any money from the state of Indiana to support your programming? Um... I don't know, not directly from the state. We are a United Way agency, so our funding mm-hmm. comes from United Way mm-hmm. individual uh, contributions and mm-hmm. grants. Primarily. The reason I ask is I, I am a firm believer that programs like yours really save the state money later <laughs> on. But, <laughs> right. you know, and, and so it, that's why I thought perhaps mm-hmm. you would get some yes, state Yes, that money. would be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going we're gonna to take a short break. We're all going to stand up in here in the studio. So That's right. So we, we recommend that you do the same. Uh, we're talking about the State of Girls report that was issued by the Girl Scout Research Institute recently. Uh, we have three get, great guests with us in the studio. So uh, please join us. Uh, stick with us. And we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Noon Edition. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have uh, three guests with us in the studio today. Deborah Hearn-Smith is the CEO of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Kristen Garvey is the Executive Director of the Indiana Commission for Women. And Daisy Chu is the Director of Operations and Development for Girls Incorporated of Monroe County. We're talking about the uh, State of Girls report that was just issued by the Girl Scout Research Institute. And if you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. If you want to join the live chat, you can do that at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, uh, Kristen, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that that you're going to be hosting a a big conference of all the Commission for Women Mm -hmm. organizations, different states from Mm -hmm. around the nation. Um, And I just wonder, you know, what are the kinds of issues that you're going to be looking at and you're going to, that all states are going to be sharing and you're going to be, Mm -hmm. you're going to be looking at in that conference? 
Yeah, um, and the conference will be in July, and and it's an opportunity for my um, my counterparts around the country to come and look at different issues, and and learn from each other, and and you learn about other programs that that states are doing or communities are doing, and and you maybe steal an idea here or there. <laughs> Um, but you know, it is an opportunity to look at issues that are important, and uh, we just went through a, uh, the national organization just went through a huge strategic planning, and again, girls came up um, again uh, that there are c- commissions around the country that are doing some great programming with girls, um, and and we want to we want to figure out how to maybe do a national initiative around. Uh, something and I think girls keeps coming up and and mm-hmm. uh, you know we learned from the Girl Scouts um, with our strategic planning we used the same model that they used um, so uh, you know we look to organizations that um, that are already doing the work so that we can partner with them mm-hmm. Kristen the legislature is going to fire up here again mm-hmm. after the holidays what kind of um, interaction do you have with our legislators so they are educated and up to speed on these numbers and they can keep that in mind as they vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a board of commissioners uh, and four of them are legislators. So I have two House members and two Senate members and they are my my uh, eyes and ears in the, in the legislature and, and I try to keep them abreast of what's going on and, and they take it to their colleagues as well. Uh, so uh, right now, what I'm doing is uh, a biweekly update to them uh, on just what comes across my desk. Mm-hmm. Just my, that would be of interest to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. We've had a question from uh, one of our callers that asks um, about the differences between girls and boys in these areas of study. Does anybody on the panel know much about what the differences are? Deborah? I'm not an expert on boys, so, uh, but I think that the reality is when we look at our study, which is girls, most girls live in family and in community with brothers. We know the poverty rate transfers to to boys as well as girls. We know in the state of Indiana, because of educational reporting, that the educational uh, achievement or lack of extends to boys. Uh, I would think it, the only thing that may differ uh, in any statistical uh, reality is the obesity rate doesn't seem to be quite as bad for boys as girls. Um, but I think that's just a function of the gender difference there. But in most areas you could translate there would not be a statistically important difference between what our boys age 5 to 17 and girls have. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are very focused because there are a couple areas where girls uh, seem to uh, fall uh, behind. One is in math and science in their achievement in school. When we look at at studies, girls are reading very often at comparable levels with boys, but their their science, their technology, their um, math, they fall behind. Mm -hmm. So we really, we know that that's one of the huge differences. Do you think that, and I can ask the whole panel, I mean, do you think that is a function of lack of opportunity and continued stereotyping? We've done studies on that, and yes, it has a lot to do with with stereotyping and expectations. Uh, two things have been pointed out um, in studies, not only by Girl Scouts, but by American uh, University women and some others. One is that when girls get to about the fifth, girls achieve the same level up to 
fourth or fifth grade. Uh, when they hit adolescence, they often are reticent and take a back seat. The other thing is educators are more likely to recognize boys who are much more aggressive in their holding up their hands and answering. So we have a low expectation based sometimes on the education, and then we have girls taking a back seat. To combat that, we have math and science center and math and science vans and do extensive technology uh, studies with girls, uh, work with girls. And what we find is if we get them in a single-sex, non-academic environment and introduce some of the same mathematical concepts and science concepts, the girls get them, and it translates back to the classroom. Then they go into the classroom much more confident. We do a lot of work around the STEM curriculum, and we do a lot of work with women who are in STEM careers, um, mentoring and talking and being role models for girls. It's science, uh, technology, engineering. And math. And math, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Right. And those are, those are key. And we do find a, a marked difference as we get to about the fifth grade. And if, not, if we don't intervene, it then shows up throughout their education. Isn't there a um, uh, initiative by established professional STEM women to bring up younger women or young girls and, and get we them going in those professions? We have with women in high tech, with the engineering schools at IU and Purdue, the women who are in those programs. Uh, we have a lot of collaborations with women who are in the science, math, technology, fields mm -hmm. because they understand how critical it is and they work as role models as uh, session leaders uh, and uh, really helping girls uh, understand that you don't have to want to be a mathematician to need to excel in math. Mm -hmm. Well, I would think those those women in particular would be volunteer gold they because are. they're such great role models. They're and wonderful. Those are um, Professions that are economically well-rewarded, which... We know very clearly if the girls we have now, if we don't prepare them for STEM careers, we are not giving them a fair shot at economic independence mm -hmm. because there aren't careers today or in the future that will not require a high level of understanding of those fields. Mm -hmm. uh, and, we, and it really doesn't matter if they want to be a doctor or if they want to be a school teacher or if they want to be a uh, computer uh, writer of programs, technicians. It takes a high level of understanding. You're talking about what girls can do now on their iPhones. You know, four-year-olds can figure things out. So. Mm -hmm. um, it's a tough field. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing we have to teach girls are the fundamentals, and we have to teach them how to learn. Mm -hmm. Because whatever you're learning today will be obsolete by the mm -hmm. time you wake up tomorrow. I want to ask Kristen about the, the economic uh, challenges that women have. You know, when you, from the Commission for Women, I'm sure that you do some studies and you have a lot of data for that. So, you know, ha have women been catching up, or what's the status of that right now? Um, I think that that women are are pretty much the same, um, and that uh, going back to the listening sessions, work-related issues were number two on on the issues, and and from that it was economic security and high potential, high high salary jobs. You know, how do we get more women to to um, to look into those so that they can 
succeed and, and get uh, further along. And I think uh, there are some studies out there that, that show that 40% of, of women are breadwinners in their family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're looking at that number, that's two different types of women that are single mothers, p- women in poverty, but it's also high-earning high women. Uh, so so the, the dynamics are changing so that women are becoming more and more seen as the breadwinner in the family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such an interesting, um, that's an interesting truth that does not seem to play out in media as far as when women are portrayed in media, especially young women, it's usually, or at least in, in my observation, it's, it's oftentimes as sexual objects. Um, and yet the reality of the situation is you're going to end up being, the chances are very good that you're going to end up being your family's breadwinner. So what your hair looks like or what clothes you're wearing um, aren't, aren't really going to matter a whole lot. Is there a discussion going on um, about how we kind of bigger picture, how we portray women and um, the images that our young girls see on a daily basis and what those expectations are for them as they go forward? Absolutely. We have, um, with Girls Inc., we nationally have done lots of programming around images and around what you see and making people aware. Because, first of all, we're not aware of it. It's so insidious that we Mm -hmm. assume it's normal. Um, But how we we portray women and how we portray girls. Mm -hmm. How you see toy commercials with the boys doing their aggressive thing and the girl just kind of sitting back. Even when you watch serial commercials. You find the boy out there and the girl just kind of sitting back. Uh, and we fight that. We at the Girl Scouts do advocacy, too. Uh, we write letters. We talk to sponsors. Uh, we let you know. We don't. That's not the girl. That, we, that is not a portrayal that we want to see. And it can be more impactful than you think. And if I could say anything to your audience, when you see those things, write the advertisers. They need to understand that we have so subconsciously made girls uh, objects uh, that we don't even, we don't think about it. Mm -hmm. We don't even think about it. But it's critical that we look at, and right now during the holidays, watch the toy commercials, because that's Mm -hmm. the first thing little girls see. And it's not whether she wants to pay a princess. You know, Frozen is wonderful. I happen to love it. Uh, But are are we portraying that the girls can be as active, as uh, ingenious in their play as boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it starts there. And then some of the television shows that are currently on, I think we ought to all just stand up and just collectively boycott where where girls are uh, objectified uh, and women are objectified. It's yeah, just I agree. Ridiculous. Daisy, what, what kind of work do you do at Girls Inc. around images and imaging of women? Yeah, so we have an entire program called our Media Literacy Program, and it has components for all ages, starting at age five, up through high school, age-appropriate curriculum, looking at girls in the media and in magazines, newspapers, internet, TV, movies, what's realistic, what's not. Let's make our own advertisement for something and be realistic mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, and I love how sort of this, um, the Photoshop contro- controversy mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Has, has sort of come out a bit in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a lot of public 
um, you know, concern about that. So, so I do hope that that is a driving force behind changing the way that women and girls are portrayed in the media. I think that's so important. You're actually teaching critical thinking, mm-hmm. yes. which is just as important in my mind anyway as math and science. Well, it is critical thinking. That is really what math and science are about. They're about critical thinking, logic thinking, mm-hmm. you know, starting with this and coming to an, a conclusion mm-hmm. using proven data. That's what it, it is, that critical thinking process. What did I see? What, you know, what, really what it is. And that's so important and we have to teach girls to think for themselves. Yes, because then the empowerment comes from that, it right. It does. You have to, don't let anyone tell you what you think. Right. Analyze it for yourself. Yes. All and right. you can do that and you have mm-hmm. everything you need to do that. And little children do that. We sometimes program them out of that. Mm. We'd like to hear from some of our uh, listeners out there if you want to give us a call and talk about um, the State of Girls report. Uh, we have uh, three guests in the studio, Deborah Hearn-Smith from the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Kristen Garvey from the Indiana Commission for Women, and Daisy Chu from Girls, Inc. of Monroe County. Give us a call, 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, another, another issue that's uh, addressed on this report and again, I think it's really relevant to Indiana. It, it has to do with preschool, where you know we've had discussions about how preschool in Indiana is way behind. And in this school enrollment and extracurricular activities portion of this report, uh, girls aged three and four, three to three or four, enrolled in preschool in Indiana, 39 percent compared to 48 percent nationally. So girls are starting out behind in Indiana compared to the rest of the. Of the nation, and then on top of that, uh, you know, I would say, you know, girls enrolled in preschool. We've had great discussions here about quality preschool options in Indiana compared to, you know, just overall preschool. So, again, uh, you know, just a word, Daisy. You know, preschool options for girls, getting them started earlier. Um, we don't serve preschool-aged mm-hmm. girls, so unfortunately, I can't answer a whole lot. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got some phone calls, so we'll just get to that. I'll, well, let me, let me just say it's critical. One of the things about preschool is it has girls ready to learn as they enter kindergarten. And one of the issues in the state of Indiana is we do not have full-day kindergarten. So many of our children are in daycare when they should be in kindergarten. So we need a pre-K and we need kindergarten so that our girls are starting in first grade where they should be compared to other states. When you, when you look at some of the states who are doing better than us, they have mandatory kindergarten full day as well as pre-K. What did you think about uh, the governor's decision to give back the federal funds that were to go toward kindergarten? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we have two calls. I have, uh, we know what I think. Okay. Let's go to uh, Sierra from Bloomington. Sierra's on the line. Hi. Hey. Um, my name is Sierra. Hi, Daisy. Hi. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask about, um, I, I work at Middle Way House, and I teach teenagers violence prevention techniques. And something that I found very curious in the state of um, girls in Indiana report is that girls between the age of 8th and 10th grade are perpetrating more violence upon 
both boys and girls than than boys are overall. And I thought that was a very interesting finding, and I was hoping that you could talk about that. Okay, Sierra, could you explain that again? So go go over that one more time. Okay. In the report, mm-hmm. it indicates that girls between the age of 8th and 10th grades are mm-hmm. perpetrating more physical and verbal violence, if I'm remembering correctly, than boys are at okay. that age. And gotcha. I thought there, that was very interesting and was wondering if somebody could talk about that, mm-hmm. because there's not a great deal of explanation. I think it's new information, and it's it's kind of groundbreaking if we think about it, because the social norm is that boys are perpetrating violence by and large. Um, more than girls and women. And so I, I find this really intriguing information and was wondering if somebody could talk about that. Okay. okay. Well, I think that... I wish I had a page number for you. <laughs> I think I'm sorry. that that includes verbal. And what we're finding are girls are escalating their bullying um, in verbal ways because of social media. And we are finding an increase in the number of girls who are, uh, because they can be somewhat anonymous, uh, are in- bullying is increasing. Uh, it's not right. necessarily physical in, in the data that I've seen, okay. but because they combine the data there, uh, right. it, it, it makes it look like uh, it may be a little different than it is. But we do have an increase in girls bullying. Um, and that is a real issue for us. Uh, and social media seems to play the biggest role in that. Right. Girls have always uh, been a little clickish and done some of these things, but now we find that it is out there for the whole world to see uh, before the girl has, before the girl even knows it's out there. Uh, so we have programs uh, with, in collaboration with schools, particularly that talk about appropriate use of social media. That's where we're finding that statistic to be very, very um, disturbing. Thanks for your call, Sierra. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Charlotte's on the line. Hello, Charlotte. Hi. How are you? Good. I, I'm so happy to hear these, your panel talk about um, what's happening with girls and, and families. And mm-hmm. my question is, Federal and state and local policies really affect what happens to families, like food stamps. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many different things, and uh, the, and there are a lot of wonderful stories that could communicate, maybe to legislators and policymakers, but but they aren't out there in the front. And I wonder how we can collaborate as a community to get these, this information to our policymakers and understand that what they do has impact on people's lives. Any thoughts about that? One of the things I think is we need, if we could, as a as a society, collectively change the conversation. Part of the conversation we see and we hear, and, and we just it came across just now in the news bulletin. We talk so much about lowering taxes that we don't talk about the benefit of the taxes we pay. Oh yeah. So that we have a culture right now that is more interested in the level of taxation and lowering taxes than they are what are we what are the priorities for the tax dollars we collect?
and that priority doesn't seem to fall on the safety net for children. Uh, so that if we could change that conversation to say, in the state of Indiana, this is what our children need, and we are committed to getting that done, I think we could change how that conversation's happening. But right now, the conversation is, uh, A, we don't, wanna, uh, we don't want anything from Washington, and B, we want to make sure that we're not, we don't have to pay for anything. And there's a cost associated with not taking care of our children. Uh, mm -hmm. Pay now or pay later, and we mm -hmm. need to change that conversation. Kristen? Well, I think one of the things that um, came out of the listening sessions and it kind of underlined any of the issues that we talked about was that women wanted to be involved. And, and I think that's what needs to happen is that um, women need to start advocating for themselves and finding their voices and, and talking about the issues that are important to them um, because that's what a civil society does and, and it's part of the political process. Mm -hmm. All right, Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but more, more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> thanks for calling, Charlotte. Okay, it's thanks. great to hear your voice. Right. All right. We have just a few more minutes. So if you want to get a call in, 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 or join the live chat at org slash noon edition. So uh, Gracia is on the phone. Hi there. Hi. Um, I, I want to go back to the, the issue of preschool uh -huh. uh, that you were talking about earlier. I think um, it was really, um, I will respond to okay. the governor's response of, of sending the money back, um, because there isn't enough affordable, quality daycare, <clears throat> child care in Bloomington, uh, or in, I don't know, I can't speak to anything outside of Bloomington, but it, and it is crucial for young people, but it has to be quality, because if it's a quality program, they're going to be working on the issues that you've been talking about, the social issues in, in really good daycare are primary. It's how children get along. It's how they learn to learn. And without that, it's really difficult for children, particularly children whose families can't afford quality daycare. And so rejecting the funds would have provided that opportunity for these children, in my view, is a travesty. So I will say that. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, but I also think that it is something that that is really important for us to work towards, um, not only for girls, because I girls girls need to have the skills to speak up, to be to be assertive in positive ways. But boys also need to learn some of the skills. About social interaction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that it, it, this is an issue that is crucial as children grow and learn and develop mm -hmm. and become responsible, caring adults. Thank we, you very much. Thank you. Thank we, you, Gracie. You know, we, we again have done programs on this. I know uh, last time we did, I think Indiana was one of nine or ten states that had no no program state program for preschools now there is a pilot program uh, five thinking going into five school corporations i would also say uh, as gracia mentioned in bloomington the uh, bloomington monroe county foundation has has put this as one of its issues so they are helping priorities, to fund right, priorities right, right. right helping to fund some preschools so all right we only have about three minutes to go two minutes to go actually so i want to give each of you a chance to you know what, what is the biggest issue facing girls today and what can people do about it to help 
Daisy? I think the biggest issue facing girls today is the societal pressures to be, you know, fit into mold X. Um, at Girls Inc., we're trying to, to, you know, teach girls to think outside of the mold X and make your own mold, you know, mold Daisy or mold Deborah or mold <laughs> Chris, you know, do what makes you happy and makes you feel good about yourself. Okay. Great. Deborah? I think the biggest thing is we, as adults, to get involved in a girl's life. If, if it's one girl or a group of girls, the more of us who care about our children, who are involved in their lives, and I don't mean just the ones in your family but beyond, uh, it would make a sizable difference in our state if we involve ourselves in the life of a girl. Okay, and Kristen, 30 seconds. And, and I uh, think that one of the conversations that we need to um, have is, is what we've been talking about today, and that's how to get men and boys involved and, and make this a community um, so that it's not separate um, because uh, everyone has their unique abilities, and we need to bring that out in girls and in boys and, and make them respect each other or help them respect each other. All right. Well, thank you to Deborah Hearn-Smith, Kristen Garvey, and Daisy Chu for Mary Catherine Carmine producer Lacey Scarmana and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.